time whistle has gone at the Spurs Stadium and that's where we bring you this week's WSL edition of the Offside Rule. Kate Borsay and Lindsay Hooper with you and it's great to soak up this atmosphere on a record-breaking occasion, Kate. It certainly is. We've got the highest attendance here in the WSL today, Lindsay. We've broken the season-opening record from that Manchester derby uh, with 38,262 here and the atmosphere, as you said, has been brilliant. Really good build-up from Spurs and the crowd have really been enjoying themselves. They have. It's a shame that the majority of the home crowd didn't get to see a home goal. Yeah. It was actually Arsenal who ran out 2-0 winners, but both late on goals in the second half because you have to give credit to Spurs here. They really did contain them for most of this match and it was pretty tight. Yeah, it was. And I think Spurs have showed their big game experience here today. They've already played at Stamford Bridge and at the London Stadium. And having spoken to someone behind the scenes today, she said actually the team were really really calm before kickoff, which is a great indication. So yeah, great for them. I thought that they were very evenly matched in the first half. Maybe Spurs had the better. They looked a bit perkier, perhaps looked like they wanted it a little bit more. But you know, you can't get past Joe Montemuro's tactical nows, can you? We saw it in the first half as he tried a few combinations, but in the second half, really, uh, Spurs started to get tired, I think, and Arsenal came into their own. You mentioned Joe Montemuro there. I mean, I think producer Abby and I counted about five different formations that he tried throughout this match, and that actually reflects the, the way that Spurs were playing so well because they just could not break them down. They couldn't make that breakthrough, Arsenal, despite being the superior team, you think, with history taken into consideration and the sort of seasons that they've had the last couple. They were expected to come here and potentially walk it, but yeah. the big occasion and the players stepped up, and I, I do want us to give credit to the, the Spurs players, but let's talk about the goals as well because well it took just over an hour didn't it for Arsenal to get on the score sheet uh, Kim Little with a lovely goal actually weaving away from left to right and then left again on the edge of the penalty area uh, provided for by Miedemar uh, picked her spot Kim Little um, and then into the back of the net to put the visitors ahead first goal I think the crunch one I think Kim Little yeah. keeping ahead we had a couple of occasions in the first half where Arsenal did come close but equally you know there was the Dean chance from Spurs kick Graham there didn't seem to be that finishing touch let's also pay let's also mention the fitness factor because I think that actually came into play in the final 20 minutes of this match yeah, Arsenal did look superior in that department. You did see the Spurs players starting to tire, and that's when Arsenal managed to reap their rewards. Yeah, definitely the last 15, 20, Lindsay, Arsenal were very much in control. And we saw the result of that from me, Demar, although it was a bit of a gift to her, really, wasn't it? There was a mistake by Anna Philby uh, for that one who misdirected a back pass into Miedemar's path. We have to mention that right now we're looking out onto the pitch here at the Spurs Stadium, such an impressive stadium. And this will be a great memory for us, Kate, because it's our first time here. And the players at the moment going round to their section of fans, the Arsenal players over in the Arsenal corner showing their appreciation. Yeah. This is something that we're used to seeing in the women's game. They, they go over they have their photos they sign the autographs it's happening over there as well at the Spurs and we can see they're all going around giving a lap and a round of applause yeah it's a very special occasion Lindsay and I think you know this is such a great advert for women's football I know we say it a lot but it's easy for it to go wrong it's easy for people not to turn up but they did today and I think you can probably tell by the buzz that's going on around us and we're in the media area so we're a little a little removed from the bulk of the stadium and where all the uh, action is but yeah, um, a wonderful effort from both teams. And I think, you know, Spurs will be disappointed, 
but for most of that game, they were par on par. For those of you wondering as well, this was given the full-on treatment by Spurs in terms of hospitality, in terms of the experience, matchday experience. We like those half-time cookies, didn't we? We love the half-time cookies. <laughs> I love the food pre-match. Um, we, we could talk about the food, but also we've had live broadcasters here. BT Sport are down there in front of We're us just at the moment. At, at Dan Carter in front of us, aren't we? They're doing all of their final time reports, and they've had a lovely TV studio to keep warm, which I was rather jealous of because they have got the gloves out for the first time today. Well, I've gone gloveless. <laughs> I'd like to say that that's some achievement, seeing as Lindsay's from further north. You are more the northerner than I, Lindsay Hoover. So uh, we have both got the bubble hats on. That means on. I should be used to it, Kate. That's what it means. Uh, listen, we've got loads coming up in the show, haven't we, Lindsay? We're going to be catching up with Jen O'Neill, who I know has been doing comms here for the BBC. Uh, we're also going to be hearing uh, from full-time at the Chelsea game, as well as they played Manchester United, as well as summing up all the other action today. Yes, of course, we are talking through the week that saw a record-breaking first WSL North London derby where we've been here reporting live on the day and the first Merseyside derby at Anfield. We'll have all of that coming up in the show. This is the Offside Rule WSL edition from Muddy Knees Media. We've decamped to one of the flash interview zones at the new stadium at Spurs. Uh, it's a lovely environment to be in. Even lovelier for Joe Montemoro, who has just come straight out down the tunnel to do the uh, press conference. We've managed to catch him. Um, Joe, first of all, I wanted to ask about your formation switches because I don't think I've ever seen so many, but you tried everything in that first half. Yeah, look, uh, we our positioning wasn't uh, wasn't good in the first half and we got caught uh, in areas that were, um, were you know, a little bit risky. Um, so we, we just had to overload certain areas to, to assist that. And, uh, and as I said, there was a couple of, couple of situations there where uh, we got caught uh, with bad positioning and balls were played into risky areas and we got caught in transition. And, you know, Tottenham probably had a, had, a, had a very good chance in the first half. You did persevere and Spurs tired as well. Your goal's coming after the hour mark. Just describe what it was like to be part of the occasion here, though, at the Spurs Stadium. It's always a difficult question to answer because you're so engrossed in in what we're trying to do, uh, you know, on the pitch and, and worried about you know the, the group and the players and stuff. But uh, look, it was a, a special occasion, and uh, you know we made sure that the uh, the players, uh, you know, were part of creating a little bit of history today. And uh, you know what what a great showcase for the game. And um, you know I, I hope uh, I hope uh, we have many more to come in the years to come. Was that a captain's performance? Do you think from from Kim Little? Yeah, Kim's uh, Kim uh, doesn't talk much, but she talks with uh, with goals like that. So uh, absolutely. I thought she missed an opportunity though for some iconic photographs after she scored. She was sort of swallowed <laughs> in a in a huddle of players, but it was a great performance from her. That was the voice as well that you heard of Jen O'Neill, who's also managed to sneak in. We've got a thoroughfare of people coming through this area. Um, can I also get your thoughts on Sam Kerr being Australian? I wondered about that tra- that transfer to Chelsea and and your thoughts on that for for the WSL. Um, I don't. I don't know Sam personally. Um, I've played against her uh, a couple of times, and you know she has uh, some some great qualities as a player. And uh, look, uh, I mean, obviously, um, from from an Australian perspective, we need uh, a lot of our our Matildas and a lot of our players playing in the top leagues in in Europe because that's how we're going to develop. And uh, you know, hopefully, that uh, with Sam coming over, it could be the start of a, a few other uh, top top quality Australian players coming through. But uh, look, I mean, uh, it just for me, it just uh, indicates the uh, the the league and 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 how how it, uh, the growth of the league and uh, you know that that uh, a lot of big players want to come and play for the big clubs in, in in the WSL. There is so much interest from around the world now, and that's because of occasions like this. Thank you very much for joining us. Pleasure. Thank you.
So as Joe Montemuro moves on to do the press conference, I can hear Karen Hills as well in the corridor. But we'll get Jen O'Neill's thoughts first on the on the match. You were doing co-coms today. Yeah, uh, working with Caroline Barker. And uh, I sort of feared for Spurs after the sort of first 10 minutes because Arsenal had a lot of the ball. And then I was so impressed because they, they really did work their way back into it. They had to turn it into a physical contest to do that. And it took Abigail Byrne having a word with Rachel Furness and a couple of other, Josie Green as well, um, the Tottenham midfielders, referee saying, you know, calm it, no more of that. So they backed off a little bit. But but by that point, they'd actually earned the right to be to be competing. They'd started to calm down a bit. Um, and I, I really did feel like they they should have maybe been ahead at the half time. Kit Graham certainly had the best chance of one on one with Manuela Zinsberger and the keeper doing really well to, to keep that out. Yeah. Um, Rihanna Con- Dean as well, yeah, didn't yeah. she come in in that um, first half? And I felt like you, Jen, um, pretty evenly matched. You're editor of She Kicks magazine, we should add that in. So you are a veteran of women's football. Um, so we're you know really, really pleased to have you on. And how nice to be talking about a North London derby in front of over 38,000 people well, here. Well, this was a bit embarrassing actually on air because we just heard the crowd size read out and uh, well, I went, whoa, you know, you, oh, you can't, you <laughs> can't help it. Just comes out. So that, that's not with the microphone to my mouth. I am a professional, nearly. Uh, but at that point, Caroline asked me a question, so I turned to, to answer it and missed... Anna Philby with the horrendous back pass yeah. which, um, which Viviana Miedemar yeah. scored the second goal from which really was a, a shame I felt because okay Arsenal quality told in the end and I know we wouldn't argue that they maybe didn't deserve to win but 2-0 felt a little bit harsh on Spurs the way that they'd battled in that game. I think they, they definitely tired didn't they and I was also I think we were willing um, Gemma Davison to come on because we were so desperate to see her knowing that she'd be so desperate to come on we know she's taken part in a couple of training sessions um, but by the time she'd come on Spurs were already 2-0 down and it just felt like a bit of a shame but be- Before Kim Little uh, opened the deadlock or broke the deadlock sorry with a, a, a great finish I mean she just just she's the catalyst so often to that team doing things they have quality all over the field don't they but she sometimes can sense the urgency and she just steps it up and she did that again in, in a big way. And I think sometimes we forget that she is world-class because she's surrounded by players that capture our attention so often. Um, but I was sorry, I was going to say at that point Spurs were thinking about making changes. So they had Ayan and they had Quinn warming up and, and I think that just totally changed the, the balance it. of what they were mm. what they were trying to do. Knowing you for quite a few years, there have been these landmarks that the women's game has reached. And I know for a fact that you get a little bit emotional about them. Have you had that again? Uh, on the way to the ground. I did. <gasps> yeah. it was, I did too. Yeah. It was sort of um, quelled by the fact that we had to stand outside for 30, 40 minutes waiting to get in. <laughs> did so you? That exa- yeah, the, yeah, well, that's another matter. They should have rolled out the red carpet. <laughs> yeah, at, Jen. at Wembley on Saturday, I, I, I didn't quite get the buzz I've had before. You know, cup finals when they started playing the women's cup final at Wembley, that was cool. Twenty twelve, um, me and Catherine Ito, who's worked with me for a long time, she was bawling her eyes out looking down Olympic Way for the the Team GB Brazil game. But I got that today. Just that I mean, it's an amazing stadium. Everybody will keep saying that, but 
we keep breaking records, it feels, and it, it just feels like, well, okay, 38,000, that's incredible. When we're going to be that? Because it'll be soon. Yeah. That's what it feels yeah. like. And the one thing that you cannot change is that first experience for those young, young children that came in, and maybe it was their first football match, maybe it was their first women's football match, or maybe it was just, you know, a special occasion with their parents. They're never going to forget that, and, and it's catching them, isn't it, early on? And, and I think what was lovely as well, was you see the Arsenal players go over to the travelling fans, three thousand Arsenal fans, at, you know, away fans, and that connection they have with the team at the World Cup in the summer. The the real standout moments for me were the number of England fans travelling to France to to cheer on the lionesses, and the same with other nations. And it's that lovely thing where friends are being made, mm. aren't they? Bonds are being formed between fans who've never met each Absolutely. other before. And it's, it's, it just galvanises the support. And we there's a lot of talk about maybe not wanting tribalism. It doesn't have to be tribalism to be passionate and have a connection with your team yeah. and with other fans. Well, there's a little bit of discussion with Manchester United women around tribalism, and maybe we'll talk about them a little bit later on as we uh, look at all the other games. We are going to carry on hearing from this match. We'll have some post-match interviews. We'll also have anyone else that producer Abby can grab in the corridor here at Spurs. <laughs> she is currently lurking Sliding by tackles. the doors. <laughs> <laughs> but let's move on to some of the other results because it was, it was branded the Women's Football Weekend. It maybe should have been the Women's Football Sunday. Um, but Liverpool versus Everton, which was the other big one, played at Anfield. First Merseyside derby at Anfield for that one. And it had a sold-out allocation for the game. Let's start with the figures there, because obviously we know that Anfield holds a lot more, but 23,500 at that match, Jen. Yeah, which is, is brilliant. I think sold-out, we have to use the word distributed, I think yeah. it would be better yeah. in the future. allocation. Yeah, it's it can be a little bit... Because as soon as you get the naysayers involved, and blame me, there are lots, they'll all start picking at it. Oh, but you gave tickets away. Look, 23,500 people went mm. to Anfield to watch a women's football match. Well, that that's brilliant news. What I'm hearing from the game, though, sadly, is that you want Liverpool to get a result they really need a result and I hear that they played really well they did play really really well actually and um, they were denied an early goal after a great save by the Everton keeper Corpella she got her fingertips to it and it was an awesome save by all accounts um, but it was really a horror goalkeeping moment that led to Everton's goal one and only goal in this one the result 1-0 to Everton and Liverpool's goalkeeper Anka Preuss just an absolute howler really Lucy Graham pounced on a loose clearance from Neve Fahey um, and Price's mistake gave Everton the early lead so it was a bit of a bit of a calamitous way to lose the game which is a blow for Anka because she's been playing so well in in the opening stages of the season and I've saw her a lot at Sunderland before she moved to Liverpool and um she doesn't make mistakes like that very often the handling mistake is a do you think just a little bit of stage fright I mean I hate to say that because it sounds like like an obvious thing doesn't it playing at Anfield did that then freak her out but it could just have been a goalkeeper error and of course when you've got that much responsibility in that position of course you're going to make mistakes and when things aren't going well for you and aren't going right for you then these kind of depressing things continue to happen exactly shall we say it as it is because it it feels heartbreaking this result the fact that as well that they came so close early on to getting a goal Liverpool to come away losing 1-0 it doesn't matter they've not got any points from this match and they're still winless is that the nail in the coffin I don't think it's a nail in the coffin but there's a something that needs to be reversed very very quickly from Willie Kirk's point of view the 
the Everton manager, it's vindication because he was quite bullish before the game, wasn't he? We're, we're a better team, we're, we're going to win this. I kind of quite admire somebody coming out and saying how they feel because not often do you actually get managers doing that. Well, and actually Everton have needed that belief because they've had such such a tough time and it was always going to be, we we're always hoping for good things this season from Willie Kirk. Um, and um, I think he's producing the goods and you've got to look at the, you know, even though we're only six games in, look at the table position, Everton are in fourth. You just don't know what that's going to do for confidence though, do you? I mean, it does look like it could be now a shootout between Birmingham and Liverpool. It could be because Brighton's result was which I'm sure you'll go on to, was pretty um, impressive. But does this does this flag it up to say this is a club that has a team that's won a European title and is top of the Premier League? Help you if you really care about your women's team, help them. Yeah, I've had I've been on my soapbox about that this week because I'm a Liverpool fan and I feel a bit disgusted that. At no point this season, as far as I know, has anyone from Liverpool Football Club, the organisation, come in and gone up to Vicky Jepsen and said, this isn't going right, what can we do to support you? Because you can't just alienate Vicky Jepsen. They haven't performed awfully, Liverpool. They just, things haven't been working for them. And that's that's what's really annoyed me, is that for a club of Liverpool's size, someone needs to go in and say, how can we support you? How can we reverse this? Someone needs to actually step up with cash, don't they? I mean, we've seen... I don't know whether it's cash or it's coaching help. I don't know what they need, but I know that they're not getting enough support. I mean, they have got a few recognisable names, but I mean, in terms of stellar lineup, it isn't, you know, you you take the 1-11 to for Arsenal in, in, in comparison and the bench yeah and the bench and surely more funds need to be available for this Liverpool side let's get Karen Hills in we started a conversation in the corridor as we were coming out and I I was talking to you about the way that Joe Montemoro had changed formation quite a few times to try and outfox your players which he just couldn't manage to do certainly in that first half and how you were trying to deal with that and, and just give me your reply because I didn't quite finish before you got dragged away I thought um we stuck. To, we had a game plan. Um, we knew that the rotation from Arsenal was going to be exceptional. Um, we knew if we started to be dragged out of, of pockets and holes, that was what they wanted because they got players that fill gaps where we couldn't be able to get into. So as long as we stayed in our lanes, as long as we was switched on and and we we was aggressive in in areas where we needed to be I thought it was it was credit to us that they had to change his formation a couple of times and I think it just goes to show like Jordan Nobbs was sitting in between the the two banks of four and just couldn't get on the ball and she was obviously getting frustrated so she then had to come in front of the back four which then for us was perfect because she still then had to break down two banks of four and so it, it was a lot of credit to our girls just to say we knew that it was going to be hard we knew we needed to be disciplined and we needed to be uh, switched on and focused and, and I thought they achieved that Yeah, you've had some big game derby experience perhaps the most out of all the WSL sides you played at Stamford Bridge you've played at the London Stadium against West Ham did that help in preparing for today? Yeah, absolutely. I think the girls wasn't phased at all by the occasion, um, and I thought we it also we set the tempo in in pre-season when we went to uh, a Spanish tournament where we were 
uh, it was a tournament that was actually very competitive and we wasn't going there to be, it was in a friendly atmosphere and it was quite hostile and if I'm honest, it was perfect. Um, we had to take penalties as well in the final um, where we was getting 8,000 people booing us. Um, so all those experiences, all those moments and feelings has really helped us um, and then obviously to play the opening game at Stamford Bridge against another fantastic team like Chelsea, we, we knew we was going to be up against it and we didn't have the support that obviously we had today and I thought the girls dealt with that really well so they knew that they've got the confidence in each other and they're not going to be hearing us screaming and shouting from the sideline it was it was really about them taking ownership of, of the way they played and I thought then going to London Stadium and, and beating West Ham in, in on their turf was it just it just goes to show how far we've come um, and then to have 38,000 people here today, I was just disappointed we couldn't score a goal for them. Oh, I, I was think, wishing you to do that, actually, yeah, from up in the press box. I think that would have been a, a, the, that would have been the icing on the cake, obviously, to get the three points as well. But I thought we've, we've come out of this game with a lot of credit. Um, I think the club have done a fantastic job in terms of their support, the promotion of, of the way that we've, we've dealt with the game. I thought the stadium's incredible. Um, and what, a, what, what an occasion to play a women's game in the North London derby. Looking to the start of the season and what you would have hoped for by this point of the season, even though you've just lost, but actually a, a good performance, how, how do you evaluate how happy you are with how far you've come? I think we've done exceptionally well. Um, we obviously set little targets, but are they, ultimately we want to win every game. We're winners. Um, and the players are winners. That's what we we expect. If you're playing for a big club of Tottenham Hotspur, that's that's what we've the expectations there. Um, we've obviously come into this league um, with a lot of players that we brought forward from sort of that semi-professional so, and, and built some uh, rec- recruited really well. Um, and and those two groups of players have just sort of all of a sudden gelled really nicely in such a short space of time and then to have those moments as you experience in big stadiums to get results and to get points on the board I think is massive and it gives you the confidence and today it was just yeah it was an incredible day and I'm I probably won't come down from this for a couple of days and I think until you press the pause button um, and actually realise what we've achieved and what we've done you probably won't realise. Well, thank you very much for speaking to us. And I'll let you know, because I know that you've been on the rounds already doing all your media. But if you're quick, you might get one of those lovely cookies that are left. Wow. Wow. (laughs) Where am I getting them from? From in the media room, I recommend. (laughs) You're listening to The Offside Rule, WSL edition from Muddy Knees Media. Hills at Spurs manager there and there were some lovely hugs at the end of that as well as she saw Jen O'Neill this is the legend that sat next to me right oh, now. Like I used to play against Karen. Exactly. Yes. The, at least they used to win those games. I think we need to <laughs> remind people that you used to play. Uh, yes. People in probably the, don't realise. In the dark ages, Karen was a great centre-back. And, um, lifted and what the were you? <laughs> An average centre-back. <laughs> 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 so some lovely moments here between Karen Hills and uh, Jen O'Neill. And uh, yeah, we were just saying she's, she's never as a player or as a manager beaten Arsenal yet, but we don't think it'll be long. I've thought that they might have got a point out of them today was close. It was very close. Until they lost. <laughs> <laughs> so let's move on to Chelsea 1, Manchester United nil next. A record attendance there as well at King's Meadow, 4,790, which in comparison to here doesn't sound grand. But, but it's still a record-breaking oh, wow. attendance. Another one. I will hear with the story of the match. Here's Florence Lloyd-Hughes for the offside rule. Extremely tight game at King's Meadow as Chelsea cling on to win 1-0. Really, really, really exciting game, even though the scoreline might not show that. 
penalty for Chelsea, Maren Mielder put it away. It was won by Fran Kirby. She went down from a Millie Turner challenge. It did look controversial from the press box and the referee had had a bit of a tough day so far. So the Man U players and Casey Cerny were not happy about it. But on the replays on FA Player and on Twitter, it looked like the fair decision in the end. Millie Turner seemed to get the ball better. She was coming from behind. Kirby went down and the referee gave the spot kick. Man, you also came so close to getting that equaliser in the around the 80th minute when Ella Toon hit an amazing volley. And Christian Berger tipped it onto the bar. It then bounced on her back and on the line. And unfortunately for Man United, it didn't go in. So Chelsea extend their lead at the top of the table. A very composed win from Chelsea and they hold on. Football reporter Florence Lloyd-Hughes for the offside rule there. Uh, it's a great attendance at Kings Meadow and a good atmosphere there as well. And some good news for Chelsea this week as well, Jen O'Neill. Yeah, I'm just, I'm really pleased with that crowd. I think that's, that's capacity, isn't it? Kings yeah, Meadow. That, yeah. That's, that kind of crowd is amazing for the atmosphere, but for going forward for, for Chelsea and for the women's game. Sam Kerr, who's she? <laughs> <laughs> you, you heard what Jay Montemurro had to say. I was trying to get, you know, fellow Aussie and of course I'm, I'm getting him to talk about another team. But and then he just went, actually, I don't know, Sam. And I was like, oh no. Played against her. Yeah, played against her. He always says, look. Um, yeah, but, Initial well, reactions from yourself. Well, who can't be excited by that? I mean, she's the... She's the best striker in the world, isn't she? In terms of, you know, every league she's been in, she's picked up the golden boot, what, five consecutive golden boots in various leagues. So it, it's it's an incredible coup for the WSL and for Chelsea. I'm going to be the devil's sort of advocate here and say, well, what concerns me slightly is when clubs make these amazing signings, then are we are we going to end up with a top heavy league where the top two or three sides can bring in these amazing players and other clubs are struggling because the WSL if you look at it is is all about being competitive and I'm also worried about English players getting getting their kind of snuffed yeah. out. We were talking about the pay packet earlier. Are yeah. we allowed to say how much that is? What is well, it? according to Australian press her wages will be around the £300,000 a year mark, which is money that I'm sure... Well, your your facial expression says it all to me, that this is well, something you there weren't... Are certain, there are one or two players that might be getting sort of some With sponsorship deals and everything yeah. else. But aren't they in other countries? I don't know. <laughs> oh, Jen, Jen O'Neill's been looking at the tax returns. Of, uh, Have of you been on Companies House? No, well, it's, it's difficult. It's, it's, too, it's a double-edged sword, yeah, isn't it? Yeah, it is. And we know that after the Women's World Cup, players like Steph Horton and Ellen White, of course, will be making a lot more money. But when you look at this as a transfer and a transfer alone, what's it going to do... Is it a good thing for the league? And that or that's is there too much disparity? To, or is that too much disparity? No, I don't think there's too much disparity now. It's just, we all, I think you have to be mindful that we can control this before it runs away. The Men's Premier League ran away and there's now, you can't really manage that, I don't think. It's become an entity that is, it's got away from the FA in the sense that they can't, we worry about the England men's team's development and the WSL was set up to be competitive to, to aid the England women's team. Now we have to make sure that it continues to do that. On the flip side, three different nations of or the TV companies have bought the rights to show the WSL around around the world. In the very short space of time, the WSL is pushing itself, the Barclays WSL, is pushing itself right into the forefront. Mm. I mean, I guess my other question off the back of that, as well as the wages and potential disparity within a team, and I wonder what that has in terms of dressing room effect. My other question would be, when it comes directly to Chelsea, is who makes way 
Who makes way for Sam Kerr playing every week? That's a good question because Emma Hayes has talked in the last season or two about how difficult it is to keep a dressing room happy. We had Anita Asante on our last pod and I did ask her this very question. How does she keep everyone happy? And she said, do you know what? She doesn't. She doesn't keep everyone happy because she can't. But do we see this starting to be the decline of potentially Frank Kirby not getting as many minutes? From from an England Lionesses point of view, obviously we want our own English talent to come through. Are we starting to get the same debates we've had in men's football that we're then going to not give our own talent enough opportunity? I think that Frank Kirby could play really well with Sam Kerr. Yeah, I think so there are I. other players that will who haven't... No. For example, I'm a huge Ramona Bachman fan, but I've never seen her thing. produce yeah. the form I expect from her. Well, yes. maybe in a cup final, the odd game. She came on as a sub, didn't she, and scored, and she was good in that one. But if she's going to be used as an impact player for that, she's not going to be happy with that either, is she really? Not at all. So, yeah, that, that's Emma Hayes' nice headache to have. And for us, it's fascinating to, to ruminate over starting lineups and... Mm. Speaking of headaches, you've beautifully sewn this together because we're moving on to West Ham, who already um, Matt Beard has been on social media to apologise to that section of supporters. There's a bit of a cryptic clue in his tweet because he says about a tough 24 hours. I don't know what's been going on at the club, but they were thumped 5-0 away at Manchester City. Uh, pretty dismal result for them. We had Ellen White pop up with the first goal that was um, across from a corner, came off Jill Scott and then um, Ellen White picked up on the rebound. And what I loved about this goal, having watched back at the footage, was the look on Ellen White's face was one of joy and surprise. And I just thought, oh, it does. She is back and she's properly back. And well, I think that will she, top off a great week for her as well. She also nearly scored an absolute stunner. Yeah, she but did. But it hit the crossbar. I mean, we, we've only briefly gone across all of the highlights because we've been here at Spurs. But in terms of a result, your initial impressions, Jen, 5-0 Man City? <laughs> it's thumping, isn't it? Yeah. That, you, okay, you probably expect Man City at home to beat. West Ham but that's that's a big scoreline that's a statement scoreline in one way or the other Georgia Stanway made a hundredth Man City appearance today she, she really made brace. herself amongst yeah. the headlines yes she goals and then and getting then the red card yes. I don't know why she got sent off she got two yellows oh, okay. Lauren Hemp with her first goal of the season there was a goal also for Tessa Willard as well I think the main thing to focus on here and I hate to kind of play the downside of it is the woeful West Ham defence. I mean, both of Stanway's goals, awful defending, Hemp's too. Um, they left Lauren Hemp in so much space. I mean, she, she had no one around her. And for Stanway's goals, it was literally West Ham defenders spectating as the goals went in. And that that that's what's so disappointing about it, I think. They is were that they, in just, they, they had too awful. much space, didn't they? Yeah. And Matt Beard will be upset with that. We know that um, Jilly Flaherty will be very upset with that as well. So look, I'm sure we'll hear more about the kind of uh, analysis on this one as the week goes it on. It is just one game though. So yeah. you, you, okay, you, you lose one game, you put it behind you and you move on. It, but it feels like that's what they're having to do every week because it sort of goes, we win one, we lose one, we win one, we lose one. Like, it feels like that sort of momentum that we're getting every time we talk about West Ham. Yeah, but you, need to, yeah, you just need to be chalking up a couple of points because that's what Spurs have done. That's what Man U have done coming up. You get a few games, you get a few results, you create a foundation and then that the panic is 
out of the window and it's a platform for you to build on and, and compete in games like Spurs did today. Let's move on to Reading and Bristol City, um, another big stadium in action. Feels like this could have been the game of the weekend. Well, it was it was really exciting as we were watching the um, score updates come through in the early stages of the game that we're at today, the North London derby. Bristol City ending up with uh, the point for their relentlessness and it was an amazing comeback by Bristol City as well. The visitors were 2-0 down and 3-1 down. So to end it 3-all, um, a great fight back from Bristol City and I think Reading will be upset about this one. Well, yeah, I think Reading will be upset. But first of all, I think we should potentially talk about Bristol City's staying power. Yeah, but, uh, but they've got big... They've got <laughs> good, <laughs> I don't know. What do you want me to do? The, the fact that... I, can we talk about the fitness, the fact that teams in the WSL now seem to be playing right to the end? And I, I think that used to be something that we saw drop off, didn't we? Well, I think that any team that plays for Tanya Oxterby goes right to the end. Don't they? That, that it is about... The, the guts to, to not give up that never say die attitude I was a bit miffed when I saw the goals coming in from there because I thought it was at the wrong game oh, it's still is. nil nil here I had a pet lip on but it's okay <laughs> I saw some in the end but that, that is a that is a great comeback from them and there were two goals in two minutes as well in this game from Reading as well so yeah it sounds like much excitement it will certainly help them as well in that battle against relegation they do remain winless in the WSL but all these points are going to help because I think it could be quite tight down the bottom. It's going to be a, a, a real dogfight at the bottom of the league and every every point is going to count. And we talk about how competitive it is at the top, but I think there's what going to be four or five teams that are at the bottom all looking at fixtures that they really need to get points in. Um, can we mention Brighton's win again? <laughs> because well, we that's are. crucial. We, we need to. I, just before we do, because I do speak about sort of West Ham and this, this constant feeling of like we're talking about the inconsistency with them. One of the things I feel I'm constantly saying when it comes to Reading is Farrah Williams and Anne Harrod James and the way that they're playing together. And is Farrah Williams being overlooked for England at the moment? I, I, you speak to a lot of people and they they do say that her form is as is, is good as it's been in a long mm. time and last season as well. And I, I think if you're going to pick players on form, then maybe she needs a shout because she hasn't retired from England. But at the same time, and this may be an unpopular view, aren't we looking forward? Because is Farrah Williams the answer in two years' time for England? I don't know. Well, she's 34 so is she 34 something around that yeah no exactly um, quick update from BTS action here behind the scenes producer Abby skulking around the door of the little studio that we set up for ourselves Joe Montemoro's walked past uh, asking his press officer if she wants chicken pizza <laughs> apparently <laughs> we they love that, that. apparently <laughs> they love that in the dressing room so there you go uh, for the ultimate in performance choose chicken well, I think it is a good shout out to mention. Coming from Anna, a vegetarian, Anna, that makes me laugh so much. <laughs> and I do not endorse that opinion. <laughs> While you're talking about pizza, company. which is my favourite type of food, it's my favourite topic of conversation. Anna Rad James needs a, a big shout out. Has is, is a, was a great, great um, recruitment move by Kelly Chambers. And I think it was Tash Harding said that she was the one that was. Um, pushing for it. I can't believe how well they've linked up so quickly in that team because Williams and James look like they've been playing together for years and years. They do, but that's very much the characteristic of the team. They're very organised, aren't they? Set-piece specialists. Uh, let's move on to Brighton-Birmingham. We've been teasing this one, haven't we, throughout the show. Uh, at the Amex Stadium, this one. Um, I haven't got the attendance here, actually, but I will find, try and find out in just a second. A first win for Brighton today and in some style as well. It looked like a really good game, this one. Uh, the side were winless in each of 
of their opening five league fixtures. Um, I think one of the highlights of this one, um, the goal from uh, Leah Legaric, absolute beauty. From this might be one of the out. nicest of yeah, the weekend, I think. Crashing in a goal. shot off the underside of the crossbar for this one. So go and check it out if you haven't seen it. 4,130 at the Amex for this one, Jen. Well, breaking news. Breaking news. <laughs> just in. the press. Just in. We have Producer Abby is on the iPhone as well as listening in to the private confidential conversations <laughs> of some of the WSL the elite. Orders. <laughs> uh, that's, a, that's a cracking crowd at the Amex. And, and it's a brilliant win. I can't overstate how what a good win that is for yeah, Birmingham. Yeah, it is a really good and win. And what a real hammer blow it is for Birmingham, who you, you sort of become increasingly concerned for. And you think the quality that's still there in Lucy Staniforth and Keris Harrop, who's just a stalwart of that team, mm. it's it just it's it's frustrating because you can kind of see them falling away from the, the big, well-funded clubs. <laughs> Passing by our open door and not able to escape, uh, we've got Kim Little <laughs> no, with us. Because she went, Kim! Kim! <laughs> I've not seen past. you for quite a while, nope. but then I just see an absolute corker from you today. Uh, you needed that, didn't you? That breakthrough that you got. Yeah, we did. Um, yeah, it was an incredible game to play in, to be honest. It was such a great atmosphere, but yeah, nice to get on the score sheet and um, get the win in the North London Derby. But yeah, it was just a really nice game to be involved in, to be honest. I thought Kimmy missed some opportunities for some great photos there because she was sort of huddled on around by the by the players and I just really wanted to see like Kim Little up in the air like, it's <laughs> my goal, the first one in the North London Derby here. <laughs> I'm sure there no, are I, some good photos doing yeah, the I think that Yeah, we've been sent some already. Um, yeah, I got told I ran the wrong way because our fans were on the other side. But, um, <laughs> I, 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 was, I was just did. in the moment. But, um, just yeah. say you ran to the press. Yeah, 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 something, but yeah, it's nice to score. But yeah, good team performance from everyone. And did Spurs surprise you a little bit? Um, I don't think no. I wouldn't say so. I think um, they've done well the start of start of this year. I think they've had some good results, and I think it's, it was going to be hard, especially coming and playing here at the stadium. And yeah, they were they you know they made it hard for us the first half, and we couldn't get the breakthrough. But we were patient, and we got it in the second half. You said it was um, enjoyable to to play, and is that because it was a, a full blooded encounter? One, the atmosphere and the amount of people who came and watched, and then obviously secondly because it's the North North London derby, and yeah, I think you could feel that. Um, we've obviously not experienced that in this sense before. We play them in the cup games. But um, then being the league, it, yeah, it did feel special. We don't want you to miss the coach, so we'll keep yeah. it brief. Well, also, yeah, I know, I need, according yeah. to Joe, the chicken pizza. Oh, there was chicken pizza somewhere yeah, there was as pizza. well. I don't have any, actually. Oh, uh, yeah. shocker. All right. Oh, we'll there go. it is. Oh, it's look. just gone past the door. There is a man that with could a, not with have been time box. better. <laughs> Thanks, Do you want some pizza? <laughs> <laughs> I'll go get you one. Oh, no, it's fine. We'll be all right. Well, the offside rule has aimed to be at nearly every single corner of this stadium. As we grab people walking past our room, we hear from the press conferences and also the mix zone as well. The offside rules, Tom Dean with us. Who did you catch up with in that mix zone, Tom? I managed to catch Beth Mead as she was coming past. She was obviously uh, the player of the match and played fantastically tonight. Uh, she was reveling in the atmosphere as well. And uh, Leah Williamson, who uh, very much enjoyed beating Spurs in their own backyard. Oh, I beat Spurs um, today, definitely better. Um, I love that to be and scoring Figlin? Yeah, yeah, 100%. Really? Oh, yeah, 100%. I'm a defender. Scoring, <laughs> scoring is just a nice little bonus. Um, don't get me wrong, it was lovely to score my first goal for England, but um, yeah, I'd take, I'd take the team performance every day of the week. So, um, yeah, it was nice to be the hero in some aspects, I suppose. I say that lightheartedly um, the other day, but um, no, definitely 
you know, for the team, um, today was was pretty special. Great to hear from Leah Williamson. And how about from the Spurs contingency? Yeah, uh, I managed to catch uh, Rihanna Dean, uh, Spurs striker, on the way past. And uh, Rihanna, like like all the Spurs players tonight, were, were still full of smiles, which was lovely to see, uh, despite obviously losing on such a grand occasion. Yeah, I mean, obviously at halftime it was at 0-0. And I think that uh, most of the first half, I thought, thought that we yes. was actually on top. Um, we had a few chances that we could have probably finished um, in another game. Uh, but I think that it's all credit due to our hard work. And like obviously we got in no positions, we got the chances. And I think that that wouldn't have happened if we weren't on top and we weren't well. Rihanna Dean there with high spirits uh, and Leah Williamson. Uh, thanks to both of those for speaking to the offside rule and for you, Tom, for grabbing those interviews. No problem at all. Well, both managers, Karen Hills, Juan Amaros and Joe Montemuro have been in the press conference. We've been tucked away in our little hidey hole, but we have grabbed, walking past our door, AP's Rob Harris. Uh, Rob, welcome along. So we've heard from both the managers, uh, I guess, with kind of general insight on the game. What happened in the press conference? Any any extra bonus points for either of them? Well, obviously, there's a really big focus on the crowd. You can't get away from the fact it was a record crowd. Many people will often sort of say, are you dwelling too much on the attendances in the WSL? But certainly in this growth period and after the World Cup, you can't get away from that. And, and, it, and it's a key thing that generates interest as well and grabs people into when there's a record crowd. And then also, how do you build on this? I mean, Joe Matamora has asked something quite interesting, which was, when are you going to hold a uh, WSL game at home? I said, well, we do have home games already. But obviously, <laughs> <is> it <laughs> Awkward pause. <laughs> it is a good point, though, isn't it? Yeah. Um, and it's that thing about... Do you want to make your homes in Boreham Wood your home and to build the audience and the, the crowd there, as um, Chelsea have done at Kings Meadow today? Or do fans want to get that big occasion at the Emirates? Certainly Tottenham really have uh, pulled the crowd in. It's inevitable that's going to be a big talking point. But it's all about how do they keep the fans coming back, which is one of the underlying messages of the Barclays campaign yeah. as well. Karen Hills, I'm interested with, with her section because lots of people must have asked about this rivalry and the fact she used to play and that she's never really had much joy against Arsenal. Is that ever going to change? Are, are people going more down the route of the attendance headlines, certainly from the writers' contingency, or are they going with the rivalry Spurs-Arsenal? Oh, there's definitely talk around the rivalry and building up the, the, the fire in us as well. You want to sort of capture some of that passionate cross team rivalry and to actually build up so there's a bit of spicy edge to the, the fixture going forward as well and the fact it was not a complete route it wasn't one-sided is very good for the actual uh, games going forward but it's yeah it's how you build on that and how you use derbies as a cross football to, to bring the fans in. Uh, we've also been digesting the news of Sam Kerr, that she's going to be arriving on these shores soon enough and I gather that that, that came up in the press conference as well. It did um one person asked, a younger journalist said they were an Arsenal fan and they were a bit scared of Sam Kerr's arrival. Obviously, she'll start to play from January. And Joe Montemore was sort of taken a bit aback by that. Sort of his, <laughs> his face really showed a bit of shock. Why would anyone be scared? And he actually uh, made the point, I'm, I'm not scared of Sam Kerr. And he was suggesting almost the fact, you know, Chelsea do have more of an ability to sign the players they want, whether that's oh, alluding to the yes. salary cap, which we Was heard, there a follow-up on that? As there wasn't a no. chance. It was oh, the final. Was, oh, that was the final part due <laughs> to come, <laughs> Jimmy. Oh. <laughs> But Part dirt to come. <laughs> but we did hear from Kelly Simmons uh, before the game yeah. today in a press conference room. And as 
direct to professional games. She was talking about the fact that the salary cap might be relaxed in a way, depending on what the clubs want. Okay. In a way. Because I think, you know, it's that balancing act. You know, you want the, the teams to be able to bring in some of the best players from around the world to make this the destination yeah, for women's football, but you want to maintain the competitive balance. Well, it's certainly a great line for the WSL, isn't it? Sam Kerr's arrival and who knows what will follow. Rob Harris, thank you very much. Great to join you. Well, before we move on to the next set of fixtures in the WSL, it is the Women's Football Weekend uh, as we speak and uh, some championship games in action as well. Let's just run through the scores and I'll maybe get you to pick out one of these, Jen, that takes your eye. Uh, 3-1 to Durham, who played the London Bees. Uh, Lewis were beaten 2-1 by Sheffield United. Uh, London City Lionesses, their good run continues. 2-1 winners away from home for them against Crystal Palace. Uh, Aston Villa, again, another good scoreline from them. They're away from home at Coventry United. 3-2 winners in that one and it was all square one all between Charlton and Leicester you want me to pick one result out I want you just because we've one. not got much time <laughs> so all kind of to be predicted I, looking at the championship results today the top four won but I think Aston Villa against Coventry 3-2 sounds like a cracking game Coventry stepped up to this level and still competing but Villa maintaining their place at the top there will have been West Midlands rivalry as well in that one that was a good one to pick out I think Jen Uh, next week's fixtures let's run through these quickly Um, this is in the WSL the games that you can expect to see hopefully all on the FA player if it could be the same as this weekend that would be great Uh, Manchester United against Brighton and Hove Albion Bristol City against Manchester City Everton against Spurs Arsenal take on Liverpool Birmingham (laughs) against Chelsea and West Ham United (laughs) against Reading do you want a final bit of Joe Montemuro intel from producer Abby, who's still sort of skulking around at the uh, entrance to this room that we're in? But she's only skulking Joe Montemuro. Well, I, I know, she's skulking straight stalking. I'm not quite sure which one's the more apt. Um, upon leaving, apparently Joe, who was with uh, Vivian uh, Miedemar, uh, showed her the press conference room here, which is amazing, and just said, it's unbelievable, mate. I, d- I don't think he said mate at the end, but... Uh, <laughs> I'm sure he didn't say, and there's Bruce and Sheila either. Uh, but clearly, Joe Montemuro, very impressed with the facilities here, as we are. And it was cold today, but not mega, mega cold, as we've been recording little bits of fluff well, have come can off. Can you say not mega, mega cold? Jen I've O'Neill's just seen coat. how many layers Jen O'Neill's Jen, been wearing today. Jenny Two Coats, that's what you can call me. Jenny Two Coats. <laughs> two Coats, and how many layers? Oh, um, four it was in total. I had gloves on. And, and I'm now about a bit of like faint and so hot. <laughs> <laughs> well, I have thermal layers on and the jumper of a dead woman, as we were joking earlier. Yeah, no, and that's, this is true, Jen. <laughs> true story. True story. My mother was gifted this by, <laughs> oh, t- by the estate of a dead woman. And it didn't fit my mother. And so it came to me. And it's a lovely cat. It's, it's really warm. It's nice. It's a lovely I wish I hadn't stroked it, but it's a lovely. turtleneck. And Lindsay Hooper spilled coffee all over her jumper. Uh, yeah. <laughs> the less about that, the better, because it was brand new. The life and times of the offside oh. Clothing choices. Well, that is everything for this week. So until next time, get us on social media. We're at Offside Rule Pod and online it's offsiderulepodcast.com where we have got loads and loads of women's football articles. We actually spent time with a lot of our writers this weekend at Junkyard Golf in Shoreditch. They're fired up and they've been producing articles like there's no tomorrow. You make them seem like they're like... But no, there is some great women's and men's content up on the site, so do check it out. Jen, thanks for joining us. And maybe we'll meet again in another big stadium soon. Please! I've, I've actually been with Jen for two weekends in a row, so I feel like she's my new best mate now. You can be the work wife. <laughs> <laughs> Lucky you, Jen. Uh, that's it for now, guys. See you later.
You've been listening to the Offside Rule WSL edition, a Muddy Knees Media production. For sales and advertising, please email sales at muddykneesmedia.com. And for more from the Offside Rule, head to our website, offsiderulepodcast.com.